We want to welcome everyone who's here. If you are a first-time guest, we have a gift for you. We'd love to reach out and talk with you and learn from you. Today is a little bit of a different Sunday than what we normally do. We normally teach about who God is, how the Holy Spirit works in our lives, what Jesus said. But today we're having a little bit more of a family talk, a little less teaching and a little bit more um, talking um, about some things in our family and our family history. So like I could tell Jane's stories. No, not my family, our family at large. <laughs> so we're glad that you're here with us and part of this. Um, 40 years ago, we're, we're celebrating this year that 40 years ago, some people in our church here, they, they moved from Montana to Utah to establish this church here, to establish a witness of Jesus in a way that was unique here, something different, something that represented our tribe and God's tribe with who God had made us to be. And we came down here and we wanted to make the Lord's name great. We wanted to make his, his name be glorified. And so it's 40 years. That's a, that's a long time for a church congregation. So today we want to just celebrate that. And I want to talk about, I'm going to start talking about vision and journey. I'm going to tell some stories about being lost, maps, navigation systems. And then I'm going to move to talking about some specific changes that we're believing for. So would you all pray with me if you would like to? Could we get that first prayer up? If you'd like, pray with me. Holy Spirit, as we continue worship and explore your word today, would you awaken my heart, expand my thinking, and shape who I am today and what I do tomorrow? In Jesus' name, amen. I read it wrong, sorry. Memory. So, some memories, some quick anecdotes. When I was four years old, my parents moved us from Montana to the Seattle area. They were pastors. They planted a church in Montana. They felt it was time um, to transition and follow the Lord to a new place. And so at Seattle, it was. My mom is a Montana girl, Billings, Montana. The streets are fairly easy to navigate. One of my earliest memories is being with her in our car and we got lost somewhere and she was upset. She didn't like being lost. I was perfectly fine. My only memory is sitting, I was so small, like four, you, I couldn't even see out the window. I don't think, I just remember Douglas, you know, fir trees, evergreens, whizzing past the window forever because that's all I could see was fir trees. So how could we get our bearings when there were no familiar landmarks, when everything looked exactly the same? Fast forward, I'm about 12 years old. That's Jane's age. My little brother and I, we have multiple paper routes for the Seattle Times. The delivery options are complicated and complex enough that my wonderful dad borrows a buddy's computer. This is a Macintosh, you guys, in the 80s. Can we show them the picture of this incredible technology? We put it up on the kitchen table and my dad and I and my brother, we made a map of our paper route with who got Sunday, who got midweek, who got daily deliveries. We wanted to know strategically how to get the news to the right people on the right day. It was so much fun. About a year later, my parents feel like God is moving us all the way to the country of Mexico. My parents modeled this faith for me, this idea that we will go across boundaries. We will go to unknown places. We will go to uncomfortable places 
because of the way God has blessed us, we want other people to be blessed. And so what do we do? We get a big brown and tan suburban, pack up all our belongings, pile them in the suburban, and head down I-5 all the way to Mexico. We, even as much as we wanted to go, we cried the whole way. There was one stop on the way, though. Why would we go that direction, I-5? Disneyland, the happiest place on earth. The problem was we had to get through L.A. My dad was driving. My mom still did not like maps. Next thing I know, my dad is there laughing. My dad is throwing the map over the front seat to the back bench. I'm in the middle. I receive the map. I'm 12 years, 13 years old. He's like, where are we and where are we going? <laughs> I'm looking at this map. I have no idea if it's east, west, or I don't know which highway. It's a mess. And I'm just like, I don't know. We're going to Mexico. Disneyland's along the way. It's all I knew. I was no help. We made it. We made it to Disneyland. We made it to Mexico. Fast forward again. I'm 17. I'm in Russia. My parents have now taught me how to read maps, and maps have become very valuable to me. Yes, my father, not my mom. <laughs> so we have guides, local Russian guides, and they're taking us everywhere. No matter the mode of transportation, I'm the annoying teenager saying, where are we going? What are we doing? What's the name of the next stop? And Kostya, this wonderful Russian, dark hair, brown eyes, the best mullet you've ever seen. He's like, why are you always asking me these questions? I'll always be with you. And I'm like, well, what if you're not? What if you're not? And sure enough, towards the end of our trip, Three of us get separated, a girl from Tennessee, a kid from Costa Rica, and me. Fortunately, my friend from Costa Rica and I, we had been paying attention to the maps, and we took multiple metro stations and walked all the way back to our apartment. It was a miracle, you guys. But we were back with our team, back with our home. We had, his name was Kostya. We had his directions. We had his words to us. Last summer, Caleb and Grace went with some friends and a wilderness guide. He's here today. Yes, Aaron, up into the Wind Rivers Range in Wyoming for a five-day extended backpacking trip, along with some other friends. Caleb poured over those maps for months beforehand. He, once again, maps are taking over the dining room table. Multiple maps, multiple styles of maps, elevation gains, trail maps, just all the kinds of maps. He's figuring out um, the best elevation, the best places to stay, the best passes to get through, how they'll get back to the bigger group that they're going to meet up with at the end. He had such a passion and such a vision for what he was going to do and where he was going to go and what he was going to experience. As parents, we had the help of a GPS tracker. We got daily longitude and latitude coordinates, thank God. But even if we knew where they were, we couldn't reach them without air support. We couldn't protect them from the elements, from their weariness, from the mental and emotional and physical toll of the journey that they had embarked on. And when they reached base camps, I get teary-eyed just hearing the stories. I certainly cried when I heard they had finally made it. There were lots of tears all around. They had been stretched. Their limits had been tested. 
I tell you these anecdotes because setting a goal, mapping out directions, staying on course, going after a vision is beautiful and hard at the same time. We have this compass, right, with a true north that helps us coordinate and get there. But all along the way, there will be twists and turns, road closures, detours, changes in the elements and the weather, spaghetti bowls like in LA. <laughs> and whenever that happens, we get turned around. We wait. Thank you for those words about waiting. Sometimes we have to wait. We have to reassess the plan. We have to reevaluate and start all over again. There are ups and downs and unknowns, but we never go alone. We're in this life. We have grace. We have the grace of God helping us bloom, helping us change in the moment when we need to change, being with us, guiding us, holding our hands. Even when the way seems unclear, God is with us every step of the way. So the Bible tells us a story of a man named Abraham and Sarai. Abraham is called the father of our faith today. Genesis 12 describes his call. It says, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. Now we can unpack the blessing and cursing. You can talk to Sharon about that another day. Here's the points I want you to take from this today. God called Aram to go from what's comfortable, from family, land, home, people, to set out on a movement, a journey to unknowns, to a land that he would show him. God gave him a vision, a destination for where he would go. There's a blessing. When we follow God, there's a blessing for us. And then what's so cool is God blesses us, but he sends us to be a blessing. This is one of our favorite phrases we use around here throughout history. We are blessed to be a blessing. It's not just about me. It's not just about you. It's about blessing others. So on their journey, what happens? God changes Abram and Sarah's name to Abraham and Sarah with an H. I'm sure Hebrew, it's not Sarah with an H. But the point is there's a modification on their names. Hundreds of years later, the writer of the Hebrews would speak about this in chapter 11 of Hebrews. It says, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God had promised him, he lived there by faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents, and so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. Sarah was with him. It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, even though she was barren and too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation, a whole people group came from this one man who was as good as dead, a nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there's no way to count them. 40 years ago, 
a group of 20-year-olds with no money, no homes, no jobs, moved down here to a land they didn't know, a land they didn't understand. They all lived in the same house together for months. Ah, that's too long with that many 20-year-olds, I think. <laughs> they lived together with their kids, and they grew, and they had this vision for this place. They felt called by God for a new inheritance, a new vision. They were blessed by the good news of the gospel, and they wanted to be a blessing here. Along the way, that original group evolved and grew and changed to include you and to include me as part of this tribe of people from this place. And each one of us has been blessed and each one of us has taken a little bit of the vision, a little bit of the faith and made new maps and planned new expeditions and gone new places and done new things. So it's not always easy though. Like the first time that I was lost with my mom, especially if you're new to this kind of faith tradition, Sometimes you get in the car on that journey and you're like, oh my goodness, I'm lost. The trees are just whizzing by me. This feels unfamiliar. This is disorienting, this faith walk. Sometimes that's part of the journey. Other times throughout our history, we've had this clear direction. We've mapped it out like we mapped out our paper route. We're going to this neighborhood with this good news. We're doing this at that house. We're going here. And we've had the strategic plans and ways of going out. We've done prayer walks up and down Sago Lily. We've gone on prayer walks throughout the whole region, the state and beyond. We've had times when, when we just get in the car for the ride and times when we map it all out. There've been other times when it's like the map has been thrown out the window and we're in the LA spaghetti bowl and we're like, we have no way to know where we are or where we're going. But we have this promise of this vision that we're going toward and Disneyland <laughs> along the way. We have all of these different experiences. We've set out on faith expeditions that have taxed us in every way, physically, mentally, financially, emotionally, uh, spiritually, relationally. When you go on these, these journeys together towards a goal, towards a vision, it stretches every limit of your being and your community and the team that you're with. When we look at what's next at the fellowship, we want to continue to build on the foundation and history of faith that we have, believing for things we cannot see, hoping for things we do not know. But Jesus' direction, his words from the scripture and from the Holy Spirit propel us towards that vision. So there are a couple things we have that are like true north on our compass. And this is part of being the larger body of Christ. The first one is the great the greatest commandment. We have the great commission and the great commandment. Can we get Mark 12, 29, 31 up here? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. This is what Jesus said when someone asked Jesus, what is the most important thing? What is the greatest commandment? I mean, this Jesus is like, this is it. This is it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor 
as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. This is, this is the big one, right? So this informs everything we do. Everything we do, wants, we want it to be motivated, inspired, fueled by a, a place from abiding in his unconditional love and giving that unconditional love out. The other thing, our true north, our compass point, is the Great Commission. So right before Jesus ascends into heaven, his disciples are like, oh my goodness, you're resurrected. What is happening? And some people even doubt. What are we seeing here? What is going on? Jesus is alive. We just saw him crucified. Some of them worship. Some of them doubt, it says. I love how the message puts, Matthew 28, puts the Great Commission. It says, Jesus, undeterred by their worship and their doubt, went right ahead and gave them this charge. God authorized and commanded me to commission you. Go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life, marking them by baptism in the threefold name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice of all I have commanded you. I'll be with you as you do this day after day after day. That's that waiting day after day after day, right up to the end of the age. So we've been, these are true compass points, but we look, we think about vision. We think about what do we want this community to look like? I've heard someone describe vision as your preferred uh, future in the next five years. Because lots of people have different ways of describing mission and vision and mission and vision. And as a leadership team, we are working right now on updating our mission and vision and value statements. We're working on putting this in a new language that, that hopefully everyone can understand. People coming to our website can understand. But right now, this is our draft, okay? Right now, this is our draft. Um, can we get the next slide, please? What we believe God wants this community to look like in the near future. Next slide, please. Rooted in love, that great commandment, we will be a healthy, multi-generational, and multicultural community of Jesus followers, committed to leading others to Jesus. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we will disciple new Jesus followers. We will be witnesses in our own places of influence, beyond our own comfort zones, and to people all over the world who have never heard the good news of the gospel. It's like Acts 1.8. We will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on us and be witnesses to the ends of the earth. How do we step into this vision as a community? How do we continue to walk in that? Because that really just builds on what we've, where we've already been going. What do we need to focus on next? We've studied, we've got all the maps out on the kitchen table. <laughs> we've studied all the different ways of looking at it. And we've created some trail maps. Remember, there may be detours along the way. Remember, we might get the maps turned upside down. <laughs> Remember, we're not always good at reading them, but we're going, we're heading this direction. We're gonna make it. How do we be multi-generational? The first thing that we want to work on as a community, could we get the next slide, please? If we want to pray for, find, and fund children's ministry staff, will you all please be praying for us? 
with this or praying with us for this. We want to reach the next generation of kids. We want to reach, we want this place to be just teeming with life of children who have faith sparked in their hearts. We want to be multicultural. Oh, by the way, God has answered our prayer. We have someone in a nursery right now, uh, Ryan, uh, Patrick's mom is helping us right now in nursery. And she, God's provided for us in that area. So will you please stop by there and thank her and welcome her and help her feel welcome into our community? Um, we want to be multicultural. We want to make space for and recruit multicultural voices. Um, Abraham sent, or God sent Abraham to foreign lands because there were treasures for him there. God brings people to us because there are treasures for us and other people. And I'm going to talk a little bit about this more next week. We're going to talk about the gifts of the spirit and the beauty of the diversity of gifts. So that'll be next week. But we want to become a more multicultural um, church. We want to disciple people. We want to be more intentional about our course and small group offerings and discipleship. We've got We've, we're getting a good core curriculum. We've got Freedom Seminar. We've got Roots Course. We have Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, Emotionally Healthy Relationships. We need more facilitators of these groups. We need more leaders, more people who want to share it with people so we can make more disciples. In order to do this, a lot of this stuff, we also need to retrofit and care for these facilities and systems Many of you know that we have Comunidad Cristiana, the Spanish group meeting with here in the afternoon. And then we have a Brazilian church who meets here at six, starting at five. I mean, this place, if you drive by on weekends or evenings, <laughs> this place is buzzing with all sorts of activity. And it's a lot to manage sharing, but that's a kingdom culture value that we want to have, that it's not just about us and our church and our tribe here but it's about blessing other churches and other people as well. Um, we want to welcome the one into our, um, we want to update our front doors. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in a minute. And when I say front doors, we have two front doors. We have a physical front door and we have a digital front door. So you are the first contact people normally make, right? When we bring someone to church, it's us. I'm in the front door. <laughs> You're the front. Jesus is the way, the truth, and life in the door. But we're, we're, we, we also like doors for people, right? We introduce people to Jesus. But when they come into this building, we want this to be a warm and welcoming place for the one. And so along those lines, we've been talking about a new name, too. We think it's time for a new name. So let's talk about a new name. For our first 20 years as a church, we were called Salt Lake Christian Fellowship. And I actually don't remember the exact date when we changed the name. Do you remember, Stanley? No, we don't remember. <laughs> but everyone just called us the fellowship. There's the fellowship. Everyone, if you ask somebody, what church do you go to? They, people would say the fellowship, which was really cool until Lord of the Rings took over popular culture. <laughs> <laughs> and not just people like me and my dad who read it when I was 15, when everyone all of a sudden was introduced to it at the movie theater. 
it might be time to part ways with Frodo, guys. It might be time. <laughs> but we accepted the nickname and we ran with it. It's been a wonderful name. But several years ago, as um, Steve mentioned earlier, we just had this sense that we believe God wanted to give us a new name. It also could be a name that would be more easily Googled. I told someone we were going to change our name, and they're like, yay, it's going to be easier to Google. <laughs> so um, this idea of a new name is something we see in Scripture a lot. We see it um, with Abram and Sarah, which I just told you about, became Abraham and Sarah. We see it with Simon becoming Peter, right? But then there's Saul to Paul. But I like this example because Saul never left being Saul and became Paul. He was always Saul and Paul. But what was interesting is in scripture, they call him Saul, 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 until Acts 13. And he heads off on a new journey to a new people group, to Greek-speaking people. And now he has a Greek name. So he's the same person, but he has a new name or a different name for the right context. Same person, new expedition. As we've been processing the idea of a new name, we've also been using the analogy of baptism. And I was like, Jesus, he's 30 years growing up in this little town in Galilee and Nazareth. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up on the scene. He shows up at the Jordan River and he gets baptized. He goes down to the river. John the Baptist is there. The Holy Spirit descends like a dove. Everyone hears the voice of the Father saying, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Side note, that was before Jesus ever did anything. He already had the approval of the Father. Just remember, we have God's love and affection long before we do anything, right? Side note, another message. But we believe scripture speaks about baptism as an outward declaration of an inward commitment to Jesus as Lord of our life. It's an outward manifestation of something we believe God is doing inside of us, something new. And we believe God is giving us a new day in ministry here, new expeditions to embark on. He wants to do something new, pour new wine into us. We want to be new vessels for what God is doing. And so a name change can represent that for us. It's like an outward sign of something new we're believing for inside of us. So about this sago lily, it's a flower, yes. It's, a, it's the state flower. It's the official state flower. Can we get the next slide, please? By the way, I was talking to my neighbor in a Bible study. She comes from an LDS context. I just met her this last week, and she says, or it was actually two weeks ago, she says, you're going to do a name with Sago Lily in it? And I was like, yeah, and she sent me all this research. And all these pictures, she's like, I am so excited about that. And she sent me this picture that she took up um, in the foothills up here. And she said, she gave me all this information. Most of it I knew. I knew that the sago lily is the official state flower. I knew that the um, Navajo call it the life plant because they could eat it for nutrition, for food. And the pioneers did the same. They ate it when they were starving. 
I knew that it was called the Mariposa by the Spanish explorers, which is Spanish for, I Zoe knows what Mariposa means, right? Do you know what it means? Not that one. She speaks Spanish. It means butterfly. And when, when the Spanish explorers saw all the flowers on the hill, they said, it's like the butterflies, it, or it looks like light on the hills. And I like the idea that we're light. Jesus says, you're the light of the world. We're like light on the hills. And then my neighbor sent me this that I had forgotten about. It's a peace symbol for the state of Utah because there's a legend that wherever the sago lily grew, people would not battle one another. They would not fight one another. And I was like, oh, I love that. Because we want to be a place where we can have different views, different perspectives, different ways of seeing things, but we will not fight each other. Amen. So we're also right here at 615 East Sago Lily Drive. When we first bought this building 33 years ago, I was not here. When we first bought this building, though, um, that street was called 9800 South. I love that the name change came and we get to be on this street. This blessing, this building on Sego Lily Drive is a blessing. It's a blessing for kingdom purposes, multiple congregations. Um, do you know we, we have multiple church, regional churches that are going to meet here on the weekends in the summer, this summer, because they need a building big enough to meet. Um, so our two names, Sego Lily Church or Church on Sego Lily. I know, we have lots of different thoughts about that. Before we talk about, before we get to give our input, each one of us, I know we're all excited for that. I want to show you a little bit about our hopes and our plans for our front doors, our exterior, our physical front door and our digital front door. I'm not going to show you pictures of our digital front door because we're not there yet. But when I say digital front door, I mean social media and our website. We want that to be an easy place for people who are exploring faith to figure out who is this group of people? What are they doing? What do they value? What do they think about? Um, and then we want our physical front door to be a blessing. We want people to be able to come and be like, that's exciting. That looks beautiful. We want to be part of what's happening in there. So maybe I could show some pictures of some things we're hoping to do. So this is a potential, this is an example of a new sign. It's a draft, it's a draft, but yay, it is pretty. Next slide, please. We need to paint our whole front. So notice, I'm trying not to have any bias. That one says church on Sega Lily. Go back to the first one, Caleb. That one says Sega Lily Church. We try not to be biased, trying to give you examples of both. Okay, next one. We want to update our foyer. So with some new flooring, with a welcome sign. Um, I know these are hard. Our projectors are a little hard. That one's almost clearer back there. But it's in multiple languages. It's in Ute and Navajo and Portuguese and Spanish. And we don't have anyone here that I know of that speaks Mandarin. Oh, maybe. Do we speak Mandarin, Lydia? Uh, Noah does. When Noah walks through the door, he'll feel at home. But the point is, is to have languages up there to say, we want you here with us. The next one, please. 
Um, we're going to update our FOI, um, the Welcome Center, less words, because everyone tells us you have too many words. I know, I, I know I have a lot of words. And update this cabinet so that MSBN and Comunidad and us, we can each have kind of closets where we can put our stuff and put it away neatly and tidy. Next one, please. We're going to take down the glass in that old media booth and create a coffee bar right there. And so that'll be fun. Yes, next slide, please. And just clean up our foyer. Next one, please. Um, update our maps with QR codes and links to our missionaries and partners around the world. Um, I think that's the last one. What's the next slide? There we go. That's the last one. So these are some hopes and dreams. We're not, it's too much today. We're not going to talk about how we're going to finance this, how we're going to give to this, how we're believing to get this done. We're going to talk about that next week. So come next week to hear more about that. In the meantime, I'm so thankful. Everybody, Stephanie, raise your hand. Stephanie helped us. She's a finance. She's, she knows finances, you all. She's really smart with all that stuff. <laughs> And she's gonna, and she's created a handout for us that you can take today, and then you can call any of our elders or me, and we can talk about some of the details of that. But we'll also talk about it next Sunday. Um, I'd like to invite Andy Clement up here. So as Andy comes up, yeah, everybody cheer for Andy. <laughs> Make him feel welcome. So Andy. Um, 20 years ago, we met Andy at the cafe. We used to have this outreach. We went on an expedition as a church to have a coffee shop next door. Our vision was to see young people and anybody come and have a place where they could feel unconditionally loved and experience the Holy Spirit and the truth of who Jesus is. And it was a beautiful time. And it ended up changing. We ended up closing the coffee shop, but it was a wonderful time. And sometimes you look back on some of those expeditions and you wonder, well, what happened there? Why did we do that? What was it about? And I can give you a hundred stories of why it was wonderful. But just in October, 20 years later, Andy was someone we met in the cafe and he walked through our doors and he just said some beautiful things to me that encouraged me so much. Last week, he was at our house, and he started talking about baptism. It's so cool because we've been talking about a name change and using the baptism metaphor. And even before the Ramirez had heard about it, they called us and said, can we get baptized? We're like, yes. We, th this is, represents the future of who we're baptizing. But I want to celebrate baptisms of the past. And I've asked Andy if he would share about it his baptism experience. And thank you for, uh, for inviting me up and giving me the time. And it's really crazy because a month ago leading up towards, uh, so the 20th was my 20 year anniversary from my baptism, yeah. uh, which took place at the cafe, uh, very aptly named solid ground, uh, which is exactly what I needed back then. I was a teenager. I was angry and depressed, and I had no no direction, no path. And I don't know when I first found out about it, but friends of mine told me that it was there. And I started going, and geez, I was there every day 
I would be there until they closed down. And then me and all my other friends would go to D's until they closed down. Uh, but it was exactly what I needed. And there was no, there was never any pressure uh, to come here to, to follow Jesus, to follow God. And then I was a disillusioned Catholic and Catholicism in the nineties was not exactly what it, what it was when I was born, but we're not going to get into all that. Uh, but my baptismal, when, when that was all going on, uh, it was, it was in a plywood coffin <laughs> at the cafe and it was, I was telling Sarah, I wanted to write down things to say, and I'm glad I didn't because I would have thrown it all away <laughs> after hearing other people speak this morning. But it it set me on the path that I was meant for. And even though later that year I had to move away from here, 20 years later, I come back and Sarah's here, Aaron's here. And it was, again, that solid ground that I needed once I ended up moving back here. Uh, and I'm so happy that you guys are going to be doing it as well. Uh, it's it's a life-changing event, and, and I'm getting choked up now. And... <laughs> It was the best thing that ever happened to me. And and I'm glad that you guys are, are are doing it. And I look forward to to being here for that. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much. You're welcome. There, there's something special about um a symbol and act. It's when we do communion, it's a symbol and an act of remembering something really important. When we get baptized, it's, it's this moment. And I, and I knew how significant it was to Andy because he comes back 20 years later and he's like, remember my Bible from my baptism and the prayer in it and the date. And then he comes to our house on Easter and he's like, it's this week that I was baptized. Like there was something for him that was special about that. And there's no, there's no pressure there's no pressure to be baptized or anything like that. I love how God in his timing had the grace for you when it was the right time to be baptized. It's just really beautiful. And um, we want to do that today with our name. We want to mark this day. So we believe this is a time for a new season, a new thing. And God, believing God to pour out something new inside of us. For another 40 years, for another 50 years, another whatever it is, we want to remember this time and this change. So um, we are, I'm going to invite the band up, please. And we've given everybody a card that you can mark with the name choice that we're, it's, you know, like when you're having a baby and you're like, I'm happy if it's a boy or a girl, you know, that's how we feel. We're like, this is going to, this is going to be, it's, we just want a name with Sago Lily in it. Sago Lily is what God gave us as leaders. 
And, and we're pretty passionate. I mean, Steve Wonky is passionate about this name change and about it having Sago Lily in it. He called me all the time, like, when are we doing this? When are we doing this? When are we doing this? But we were back and forth, back and forth. And finally, we're like, let's, let's make this decision together. Let's name this baby together, you know? So sorry if that's a bad metaphor. <laughs> um, while the team plays, did we get your cards? Did you guys give your cards to your friends? Okay, I'm going to come get your cards from you before you start singing. They're oh, they're back there. Oh. Mike, do you need me to get your card? Okay, pass it on. We're passing notes during church here. <laughs> oh, man, I feel like the cannon's about to explode with the pink or blue... Uh... <laughs> Pink or blue uh, confetti. <laughs> we'll get. Well, we're gonna get a count. Drum roll. Hiram, could we get our wireless mic, please? Drum roll. We need a drum roll. We need roll. a drum roll. Come Can on, Dad. I don't know that it's I still that. not. It's still not. Let me check it. Do you want to use my Can mic? Get my email. Can I look at this? Here, we got Lori's mic for you. Just double checking, sorry. That's okay. Oh, here I am. Okay, are you ready? Are you sure? It's a difference of four votes. Oh my. Four. Oh my. So, okay, are you are you guys ready to put it up on the screen? Yeah. I, I, I emailed, no? Duh. Okay. Duh. Do you want me just to tell you? Wait, wait. Okay. Sego Lily Church. <laughs> Super awesome. Oh my okay. God, I'm On to cinnamon rolls. <laughs> For all those who have 